Hello everyone. My name is Taruna Ramani and I'm back with yet another podcast. But this one is different. In this podcast, I'm sharing my journey with you. We are all going through our own journeys. This is mine. It's been 2 years since I was diagnosed with breast cancer and a year since I finished all my major treatments. October being the month of breast cancer awareness, I really wanted to share my journey. And I took a month to publish this podcast. Because putting my ideas together was a journey in itself where so many memories came back. I published this podcast pulled it down once because i felt it did not convey what i wanted it to and as clearly as i wanted it to so here i am again doing it all over my journey vacillated between absolute denial to complete acceptance through this podcast my hope is to share hope optimism and support to my fellow travelers honestly if i can touch one life through my narrative i would consider my story a victory so here i am sharing my learning curve the sadness the bleakness and the light in the spirit of giving back to the universe women and powers that held me together nurtured and gave me courage every single day a roller coaster journey that it ultimately is it also is one of extraordinary character building as they say your finest hour doesn't amount to as much as your darkest hours your darkest hours make you the kind of person you look back on with pride so let me begin my story my cup runneth full just like it would for a 45 year old woman with a life family kids work ambition and plans on june 21st 2016 the sky fell on me and it was life altering everything literally everything came to a standstill my dreams goals the ambitions the plans everything was quickly decimated under the weight of my diagnosis June 21st which is also my sister's birthday dawned just like a regular day i went for a regular checkup i call it regular because at 45 it didn't seem anything else it seemed inane as routine as can be and then i heard the words the declaration that i had cancer whoever is prepared 
to hear those words. By the way, I'm not just a public speaking coach or a wife and a mom. I'm a marathon runner. I'm also someone who has been eating healthy like no one else I know. But cancer chose to knock on my door, breast cancer. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, is a quote by John Lennon. It resonates with my story too. Let me tell you about my life until the day cancer chose me. Life was on an auto mode where predictable things were underway. It was the summer of 2016. My son was going into eighth grade. He was the baby of the house who we lovingly held back from growing up. And then was my daughter who was going into senior year in high school. And we were looking at colleges and SAT scores. It was a busy summer and a summer with major plans. Besides college planning for my daughter and summer activities for my son, this summer I was also training for the Las Vegas Rock and Roll Half Marathon, which was around the corner. So, it was a predictable life with everyday things, small bumps on the road, but nothing earth-shattering. And suddenly, life threw a curveball and I had to just grind to a halt. Oh, when I was diagnosed, I went through a period of self-denial. I could not accept that I had cancer because there were no signs. On top of that, when I looked into the eyes of the few people I shared the news with, I saw one of the two things. I saw fear in their eyes or I saw pseudo-positivity. They were scared too. And in their fear, their hope sounded fake, almost unconvincing, even to me, who was grasping at any semblance of hope or courage from anywhere. It did nothing to make me feel better. You have to know that when you go through something life-changing as cancer, it's your journey, a solo journey where you are the tourist and you are the tour operator. You guide yourself. I realized that no one could protect me from my suffering. It was mine alone in every respect. I could not do anything to wish it away. I have such a fear of needles that it's embarrassing. I've always had this fear. I scream, cry, my blood pressure goes down just at the sight of a needle. So much so that it has resulted in postponing my surgery more than once. 
and here I was dealing with the diagnosis wherein I would be punched into a few times. In fact, quite a few times. And I could not escape it. I had no choice. On top of that, I got to know that my cancer was a rare kind with not even thousand documented cases. Normally, people say breast cancer is the most common kind, but mine was uncommon. It was an uncommon kind of the common breast cancer. Three well-known cancer research institutes, including Solon Catron, gave me three different chemo regimes not because they thought it was the best. They said they did not have a clear path for me to follow. I was used to sitting in the doctor's room and expecting the same reaction every time when I went to a new doctor for consultation. They would open my file and the first thing would be, this is a different kind, it's a rare kind of cancer. Can we ever be prepared for anything like this? Akin to how one hears a hurricane or an evacuation warning and prepares to evacuate, you take a keen look around to see, quickly determine what you can take with you, what's important to you. Do you have space to carry it with you? You think as you look around. And when you choose something, it's definitely not the fancy carpet or the heirlooms or the expensive shoes and bags you pick. Suddenly, the things that you thought were so important to your identity become absolutely meaningless. Nothing, nothing retains its value. It's like you invested in the stock market. It was going up, up, up. And one morning, it suddenly crashed. No intimation, no clue, nothing. So what are you left with? Relationships. You are left with people who love you and who you love back. And you are left with yourself. You are the bank where the cash flow will come from. You are that bank. I hated it when people used to say, oh, breast cancer, it's very common these days. Don't worry. A simple statement like that did not dilute my diagnosis or my journey or my suffering. I realized that I had to be my strength. I realized that no one could protect me from what was to come. The pain was mine to bear. I couldn't cry it away or punch it away. I had to face it headlong. I had to. I realized early on that if I let fear overtake me, I would only sink. So, I shut my eyes, my ears to the stories people told me of their friends or their friends' friends 
who had breast cancer. My story was unique and I was the writer. I didn't know what future held, but I decided that the curtain would fall only once. I decided that I'm not going to live each day crying. I decided I will not live my life in sadness. This may sound powerful, but it wasn't easy. I also realized that self-pity was an indefensible mutilation of faith. I had to choose one, either faith or failure. With my back against the wall, I dug in. I had to find my mojo in sickness, in my sickness. People around me, my family and friends were my well-wishers but they were new to this too. They could take me to f for the doctor visits, care for my basic needs, give me company, give me love. But I realized I needed to be in charge of myself. The pain, the sleepless nights were mine. I'm saying it as I saw it. We all have a reservoir inside of us. You will see normal people show extraordinary courage when their back is against the wall. People who showed heroism during 9-11 were ordinary people until the day before. Teachers who showed heroism in Sandy Brook school shooting were regular teachers until the day before. The runners who were there in the Boston Marathon shooting and who came back the next year to run the marathon again, even with amputated legs. They were all normal people until the going got tough. I drew a lot of strength from such stories. I started reading about people who were showing strength while they were battling diseases. Someone shared a book. In fact, one of my students' mom shared a book, Dying to Be Me, by Anita Mujani. I read that book cover to cover. And it's a good thing about internet. It connects you. It made my search possible for stories which could inspire me. I use the internet to search for those stories because people around me would break down if I broke down. I realized that I had a reservoir and this was the time to use it. In due course into my journey, I decided to restart reset my thermostat. My emotional, mental thermostat was set at a particular point and my life was going fine with that setting. But for this journey, that thermostat needed to be reset. That needed to be reset 
for me to be able to do what I needed to do to take care of myself. I also created a plan. One, I created a mental fort. I chose who entered the gate, who climbed the walls, and who I opened the windows to. I opened the windows to all kids, my children, my students, and also to my dog. I know that kids stir my strings in a way I cannot describe. I'm very lucky my work keeps me connected with them on a daily basis. I went for long walks with kids in my neighborhood every evening. It helped that I had gotten a new puppy and they all wanted to help me take care of her, my dog Tia. So many times I sat back to weigh everything and think what if I did get well? What would I feel I had done my best as? And I thought I never postponed the mother role to another day. I am invested in my kids just as all mothers are, but I also spend time loving my kids, pampering, fixing, teaching, guiding, nurturing them, or just being around them, laughing with them, doing silly things with them, or just giving them random hugs. I knew that I had done the best I could have done and given a second chance, this is exactly how I would have done it. Going back to my plan, I also kept myself busy, like really busy. I planned things in my head. I planned things that in my head were bigger in that moment than cancer. I enrolled myself in project management certification course the day I started chemo. The day of my first chemo, as I was lying on the hospital bed, I was practicing a song for karaoke get-together that I had hosted that evening. For the morning after my first chemo, I had accepted an invitation to judge a first Lego League robotics competition. It was my plan to keep my mind busy even when the body was battling a war. On the good days, by good days I mean the days when the symptoms were not very strong. I did active things like singing. I absolutely love singing. So I used to sing at karaoke events along with friends. I did dancing. I danced on Diwali six weeks after my mastectomy. Traveling to meet friends across country. And on weekdays, I worked on the curriculum for my public speaking course. I studied for the PMP certification, which I did not pass, but it pulled me along all through my chemo. It occupied my mind, and in spite of nausea, weakness, and all the symptoms of chemo, I held the book in my hand and studied as much as I could 
as I lay in bed. The doctor had clearly told me what day of my chemo cycle would the symptoms start, which would be my peak days and which would be my better days. I planned my days accordingly. The FLL competition that I judged fell on the morning after my first chemo. I knew that the symptoms would start by evening. So I accepted the invitation to judge the event that morning because I did not want my mind to wander. And I did not stop my public speaking classes for a day. I would rest all day to teach my students in the evening, even if I had to crawl into the room. That's how militantly I planned. Was it easy? No. Was it possible? Yes. Why? Because I had a tight leash on my mind. I also did fashion photography before every treatment during cancer. A 16-year-old high school student who was also my daughter's friend, documented my story through pictures. I literally did photo shoot before my surgery, before my first chemo, after I finished my chemo cycles, after I finished my radiation, and every year since then. I do a picture shoot in September. I clearly remember the picture shoot that I did the evening before my first surgery. I was in such a panic even during the picture shoot. I was crying in between pictures. But, sorry, because there was fear. There was fear in my mind about what was to come. Most of the time during my photo shoots, I had no energy to dress up. So my daughter and a friend who shot the pictures would dress me up. I did not do this for anyone in the world. My mind was timid and I was entertaining it with things that kept it busy and schedules that could be followed even when I was in bed. I don't say everyone should do this, but yes, do something because if not, your body will keep screaming at you for attention and it will consume you with suffering. I knew my mind would overwhelm me, so I took charge my way. I was on a mission and it worked. People around me thought I was amazing, but again, I was not doing anything to impress anyone. I was doing it just to distract my own self. The most important thing is I embraced myself in totality. I fell deeper in love with myself, all of me, the cancer me, the bald me, the suffering me, all of me. 
I also chose not to wear a wig. Again, my choice. Because I did not want two me's. One me for the world to see and one for me to look at in the mirror. I took ownership of the cancer me and loved it unconditionally. And as I said, I challenged the power of my mind. The power of the mind fascinates me. I am no stronger than any of you. In fact, as I said, I deal with a manic phobia of needles. It's strange coming from someone whose entire family is in the field of medicine. But I have it. And I also have a mind that I learn to control with a militant force. I run marathons and as a runner, I know the role our mind plays when we run. Our legs, our bodies are ready to give up so many times. It's our mind that takes charge then and plays the leader. With the right mindset, everything changed. The body went through its journey, which was a few surgeries, a few chemo sessions, and then 25 radiation sessions. It was so weak that normal chores were an effort even after the treatment stopped. I dealt with side, strong side effects way after active treatment stopped. It's been a year since my major treatments have stopped. I sing, I dance, and live life like we all should for ourselves without barriers. I love myself and I enjoy exploring myself and finding many layers to me. So many things matter more now and so many things have lost their importance. I love helping anyone I can in any way I can. It's my turn to give back because I took in abundance from my family, friends, and strangers during my cancer journey. The Las Vegas Rock and Roll Marathon that I could not run in 2016, I ran in 2017. I registered for it when I was going through chemo because it gave me hope. Though I barely could run and I walked most of it, I was grateful to be able to do it and grateful too for so many other things including seeing off my daughter to college and sitting with my son for anything he needs me for as he goes through his high school journey. With a grateful heart, I made a pact with life. Que sera sera, whatever will be will be. Today is mine and mine to live. Dear listeners, hope is a powerful, extraordinary antidote to events in our lives. We wish, we want to wish away. Keep the faith, hope and pray. And if I can help guide you or touch your journey, 
the honor is all mine. I wish you joy as you realize the power of positivity and the power of your mind. Thank you very much for listening.